You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. This is uh, uh, Gordon Rooney, as he filled me in just a few moments ago on the updates that have happened overnight. The news that we will share today is um, we've got some some positive steps in the right direction. So still has a long ways to go, but in terms of what the doctors want to see, um, it's positive. I I know you can't get too deep into that because they haven't even shared all of that, but what does positive steps, what does that look like from what they've told you? To be honest, that's all I got. Just that in terms of what they were looking for and hoping to see overnight, they they got that. They got what they needed. Hey, welcome into the program, Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller, along with Lars Anderson and our regular crack staff. You just heard uh, interview quotes from a friend outside the hospital in Cincinnati last night concerning the condition of DeMar Hamlin, which has literally dominated, and with good reason, the world of sports in the last uh, 36 hours. But there is progress in the fact that uh, he is still sedated, but... It's promising, mainly in the area where Lars his uh, O O levels are up. His oxygen oxygen levels are up, which it's very little information, very little progress as far as you know my my medical knowledge is. Yeah, me but too. But it it's not backing up. And in a situation that I saw Monday night, I was in great fear of backing up. Yeah, so um, it, it was at 100%. He was receiving 100% oxygen. I believe that number has dropped to 80%, and he's still in listed in his critical, critical condition in uh, the ICU at uh, Cincinnati Hospital. And uh, it, there's been some uh, uh, confusion as to how many times his heartbeat had to be restored uh, and his, his uh, uh, um, uh, Glenn, uh, his uncle Dorian Glenn, told CNN that after the after he collapsed on the field uh, uh, during the Bengals Bills game, that uh, his heartbeat was restored on the field, and then he was taken to University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And that um, that Hamlin was resuscitated only once, and a family spokesperson clarified Wednesday, not twice. So there, at first we thought he had to be resuscitated once on the field, and then once again at the hospital. And uh, the uncle said that, uh, quote, my nephew basically died on the field, and they brought him back to life. And um, it's still not entirely clear what led to the cardiac arrest. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of theories put out there by different doctors and that uh, had to do with uh, an electrical kind of issue in your heart where you, you, get, uh, you take a direct blow to the heart at just the absolute worst possible time, and that causes the heart to stop. And, um, but... Uh, uh, Hamlin, he remains on a ventilator uh, to relieve the strain on his lungs, 
which have been damaged, and that was according to uh, the uncle. Uh, and uh, the doctor told the uncle that his nephew has been, quote, flipped over on his stomach in the hospital uh, with the, uh, to help uh, with blood on, on his lungs, adding that everything seems to be trending upwards in a positive way. And what I, 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 again, I'm not even remotely close to being a doctor. I think the most concerning part is the fact that he was being given uh, CPR for approximately eight to nine minutes. That would suggest that his heart wasn't beating for eight to nine minutes, which also then would suggest that there was not being blo- give, that blood there was flow. not blood flow to the right. brain for that amount of time. And so, uh, but. But it, it seems like uh, his his vitals have stabilized, and and that uh, again things are trending in an upward in an upward way. And at this point, that's all we can ask for is just the slightest bit of good news, because the potential for bad news is certainly large. And that's what I was kind of you know talking to you about when we first started the conversations about backing up. Because when something like that happens, and especially when there's a potential of going that long without significant blood flow to your brain, then, you know, you, you, obviously we know what you think. There can be brain damage. There can be, uh, you know, physical damage. But the one thing concerning, and again, neither one of us uh, are even close to being a physician or know anything about it, but the one thing that I have gathered from a lot of these uh, uh, surgeons and these medical officials that what apparently did happen was a like a four billion to one shot and maybe my odds are off there but you just described it impact at such an unbelievable timing of his heartbeat it skipped at what a pow pow and it just happened uh we've never seen that happen again i doubt we ever see it happen uh, for our lifetime yeah it was just a rare rare very unfortunate deal, and they're and they're saying that you know that this had nothing to do with the pre-existing condition, right? And there is a lot of stuff out there about the vaccination and COVID, and, and that doesn't that that didn't play a, a role in this, and it was just uh, a, a freak freak play, and um, and again, I, I I'm I, I remain upset with Bart Scott of ESPN for uh, essentially blaming T Higgins for this yesterday. And I know that ESPN is, is trying to do a CYA on Bart Scott too late. Yes. Yes. And, um, on, and, on that note, Lars, there's a lot of uh, internet fodder and stories about two guys that have a show. I'm not even going to mention them. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I know. And they don't deserve my respect or to cover this story, or to ever be on, on television again. So you know, what really, really aggravates me about this is when the media gets involved and su- suddenly they're ahead of the head of the real story. Yeah. And I that's mean, what these three yeah. individuals have done. I could really get hacked off right here, Lars, but I'm not going to. Instead, we'll bring in the calming influence of the one and only Christian Miller. Hey, Christian, how are you? Doing well, how are y'all? Uh, Life's pretty good. We're doing good, Christian. Um, 
now that you've had some more time to, you know, kind of uh, digest what happened on, on Monday night, just uh, your thoughts on on everything uh, uh, Demar Hamlin and, and what he and his family are going through. Yeah, you know, just a very unfortunate incident. I think you guys uh, alluded to the fact that it really was a freak accident, and uh, you know, you just hate to see something like that. You know, I've you know, played a long time, and I've seen injuries, I've seen ACLs, I've seen, you know, some pretty gruesome things, you know, things popping out of place and whatnot, but never have I seen anything like that, and uh, just so unfortunate and, and heartbreaking and devastating and to, to see um, everybody so affected by this, man, it's, it's just been tough to watch, and, um, you know, I, I've heard some positive news going forward, so that's good to hear, but I think it still requires continued prayers because... Um, such a unique and, and, and difficult situation, and you have a young man that's fighting for his life right now. Um, you know, from an injury that occurred doing something he loved to do. So, very tough to see, especially as a you know player myself. But uh, you know, just continuing to pray for him and his family and uh, everyone involved in the situation. Yeah, and um, you know, Matt, you and I were talking yesterday. You and I were talking yesterday. And um, I asked you, you you have been a broadcaster for uh, over 30 years, and you are used to doing live television. You're speaking extemporaneously, uh, and uh, I assume that you've never been through anything like this. But, uh, and again, I don't want to make the media the story. But now that you've had some time to reflect on how Susie Colbert, Booger McFarlane, and Adam Schefter, and Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman handled it on Monday night, your thoughts? Well, I think they handled it. You know, I won't say they handled it great. How can you handle a situation like that great? They were pros, okay? They were given such a limited amount of information and that's all they had to go on and so they had to go back and back and forth and forth and and still nothing and to do that and and then you you know you get opinions from the panel but you, it's kind of like you're chewing your cavity and that's a bad description but you're going over the same material time and time and time again but there's nothing else you can do i was uh, proud of the way they handled it because, uh, man, when you're live, you're describing things spontaneously as you see them, as you hear them, and that's all the information you have. Uh, you know, I, I know you've, what, penned 12 books. I know that's difficult. But in a broadcasting sense, you, you just, you, you have nothing to fall back on. Nothing. There's absolute, and, and that's, and I could tell, I, in some ways, what I've been in situations like that. the producer's like that. basically just pointing just, at but, you. It, like, but they're, they're pointing at you and telling you the same thing and yeah. the same thing. But again, you said it perfectly when you set this question up. I want to make it about the media. Uh, I want to make it about DeMar Hamlin and his family and how they're handling it. And as we did on our podcast last night, this is a, a very dire situation. It seems to be progressing in a positive manner very, very slowly. But I, I kind of want to set that aside and let's talk about the positives let's do talk about how well Susie Colbert did 
Let's talk about the amazing donations that have come in in DeMar Hamlin's charity. When we talked last night, it was like $4.5 million. Now what is it, six? Yeah. It's just it, – and, and the it, way people rally, the way Americans can really do this, we can be red, white, and blue and Christian and whatever creed or, or color, uh, and we can all come together and rally around an unfortunate situation like this. And um, <laughs> that's exactly what's happened. Can, can we expand on that on the other side? Uh, and I know we got Brian Passick coming up at. Uh, He'll be here at twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. Talk some uh, Georgia so, but, football. But let's, a little bit later. let's do uh, um, when, when when we come back to uh, Big Noon Sports, we are going to talk about some of the positives that came out of uh, utterly tragic situation. We'll be right back. Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope fair with the low at 43. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hamlin set up for a charity toy drive received a huge wave of support. Hamlin set up the charity in 2020 with a modest goal of raising $2,500 to buy kids toys for Christmas. Well, listen to this. After last night, the GoFundMe page supporting the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive saw a massive spike in donations. I checked it about two hours ago. Nearly $4.7 million dollars have been donated to the charity. And I was listening to some of the coverage last night. I believe it stood at about 10000 last night. So it's now it's up to $4.7 million, an outpouring for sure. And Bills fans gathered outside Buffalo's Highmark Stadium for a prayer vigil this afternoon. Many fans prayed for healing while others agreed. That was, that was late yesterday. I just checked, and it's over $6 million. Uh, which is one of the uh, positives that we can take from what happened on Monday night with Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. And it's also coming out that, it, you know, people in Buffalo and Cincinnati and San Francisco are ponying up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Now NFL players are really, they're starting to come in. And, of course, we all know that if you play in the NFL – you're making easy six figures, even if you're not on the regular roster. But you know, on the other end of it, you got guys making thirty and forty million dollars a year. They're all donating the cause, and as you said, going into the break, it's just one of those things that we need to pull from. It's one of those things we need to wrap our arms around, physically and emotionally, about how we can learn and get positives from what happened. And uh, on fanatics. 
his jersey is not just the number one selling jersey for the NFL. It's the number one number one selling sports jersey in all of sports. And Fanatics has said that all the profits from this, those sales are going to go to his charity. And I, I think a lot of this comes from not just what we all witnessed on Monday night in, in the horrifying uh, incident that took place. But I think people have started to really look into who this young man was and what he stood for and how he overcame so much in his life, coming from a really rough neighborhood right outside of Pittsburgh. And, um, and, and uh, you know, when, when he, uh, he, he, I think he tweeted out in December 2020 um, that uh, he wrote, as I embark on my journey to the NFL, I'll never forget where I came from. And uh, I'm committed to using my platform to positively impact the community that raised me. And uh, he has done just that. And he also, um, you know, again, after losing so many uh, of his friends, he always made it a point. And I I mentioned this yesterday, and this comes from a story uh, written by uh, Tyler Dunn, uh, one of my buddies who I worked with at Bleacher Report, who lives in Buffalo and has gotten to know uh, this young man, that every time he leaves a person that uh, after having a conversation, even if they just kind of, even if you didn't know him that well, he would end it by saying, I love you. Because he knew how fragile life was, and he wanted that person to know uh, how valued he or she was uh, by him. And, uh, and, the, and the fact that he was a sixth-round draft pick, overcame the odds, and was a starter this year after uh, the Bills' starting safety, Micah Hyde, went out uh, with an injury and uh, was playing, you know, a really, really good football. And, um, you know, and, and also I think uh, Bills fans – are among the most respected fan bases in the entirety, again, not just the NFL, but all of sports. It's the Bills Mafia. And uh, they, boy, they, they are they, so loyal. They rally around their own. And, and, um, and there have been Bengals fans every single night holding prayer vigils, candlelight vigils at the hospital in Cincinnati. Uh, and there are Bills fans that have stayed in Cincinnati all this time just so they could be there at the hospital to participate in these prayer vigils. And, uh, and there's prayer vigils going on um, uh, outside of, uh, of uh, Buffalo's stadium, and, you know, how, even how cold it is. I know Jim Kelly's wife uh, led one. And uh, there's there's so many of us, and I think all three of us included, uh, believed in the uplifting power of prayer, and uh, it, it's just uh, this 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 event has just touched sports not not even just sports fans, but it has just touched this country in a way that I've never seen. I, it, it, I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen a, a moment in sports. That has affected so many people, Matt. I was, uh, and I told you this last night when we were doing the podcast, I was watching, which I don't watch a lot of nightly news anymore, but I wanted to. I wanted to see. It wasn't the lead. It was the second story. 
and um, it was just amazing how much time, uh, how much content they gave to this story because it has it's kind of pulled us all together in some ways. And I wanted to ask Christian something, kind of setting the injury aside, Christian. Who have you played with? Uh, you played in the NFL with the Panthers. You certainly you played with Alabama. You had to have known a couple of guys that were kind of long shots. Uh, my immediate thought is, I guess your good friend Levi Wallace, right? Yeah. Because he was small. Yeah. He was a walk-on. He just wanted to play at Alabama. But what does a player like that do to a team? Uh, he provides a lot of, you know, um, inspiration and encouragement. Um, just people like that, that uh, the epitome of, of hard work and dedication um, coming from a background or a circumstance that uh, almost doesn't see them fit to rise to where they um, have uh, risen to. Um, it's always inspiring to see guys like that that um, find a way through it. And um, it, it definitely it helps to have guys like that because, you know, in, in the National Football League, you expect that most of these guys are you know coming from big programs and whatnot. But you'd be surprised. There's a, a, a lot of guys in the league that actually come from small schools that were former walk-ons that, um, you know, didn't necessarily um, – I mean, you look at guys like uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, he's arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. And this guy, I mean, no one really knew of him coming out of high school. And uh, it's always nice to have guys like that and uh, just because their stories are so inspirational. And usually the character of them is unparalleled. These guys always are the hardest workers, the most dedicated, and, uh, and some of the best teammates that you can have. You know, um, I think it's safe to say that the Buffalo Bills are now America's team. And everyone, including myself, like I'm a huge Bengals fan. I, I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I really, it, it, unless they're, unless they're going against the Bengals, not to in the be playoffs. too candid. That's what I was going to ask going, you, though. But but but, but um, there's been a lot of discussion about what do you do about this postponed game? And w- w- look, all of our thoughts are on Demar. All of our thoughts are on Demar. But the sports world does move on, turn on, and and we can we can talk about that. I think it's appropriate, you know, to talk it about is. that while also thinking about Demar and praying for Demar. But um, what I wanted to ask you guys is, what should the NFL do? Because if the Chiefs win, or say the uh, the, the, the Bills still have uh, a chance to be the number one seed, and, and and so do the Chiefs. But the thing is, the Chiefs would get it uh, if they both win this week, even though the Bills beat them head-to-head. If you, if, if you don't reschedule this game to give the Bills an opportunity to tie the Chiefs because the, Chief, the, the Bills went into Kansas City and beat Kansas City. Right, so that wouldn't be fair to them, and also the Bengals have a chance to still get the number two seed, and that means you would host at least uh, two playoff games. And if Kansas City were to lose, then the the, uh, the AFC Championship game would be in Cincinnati. As it stands, Cincinnati uh, is the three; they're locked in at the three seed because you're just going to have to go based on winning percentage. And what I think should happen is there is a uh, a week off 
between the AFC Championship game and NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. And what you do is you give, uh, after this week, you give every team the week off uh, who's going to the playoffs except the Bills and the Bengals. You play that game then, and then the seeding is fair, and, uh, and, and you move forward from there. The only thing that wouldn't be fair is that the Bengals and the Bills wouldn't have that extra week off that everybody else has had for their injured players, uh, you know, to get a little bit better. But uh, you know the teams going into the playoffs, nobody would complain about having an extra week off. But uh, to me, I think that is the the best option. Now, that's going to require a lot of TV rescheduling. Oh, a lot of pushback, a lot of venue deals. and uh... Yeah, there, yeah, and there could be some uh, – there, there, there could be uh, – uh, Some conflict, like, right? Some conflict, Absolutely. yes, with, with what is supposed to be occurring in the, in the venues at those times. But I think that is the, 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 the fair way to go. Now, do I think that will happen? Probably not. I think they're just going to call this a no contest, and unfortunately, uh, the the Bills and the Bengals are both going to be penalized for it. I mean, imagine if the Bills have to travel to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game because they couldn't ever play this game with Cincinnati. I mean, that is such a huge uh, advantage for Kansas City, and it's, something's not going to be fair. I mean, we know that. You, you just got to have the brain trust of the NFL and the Players Association, the Bills and all the Bengals, everybody that is involved here. You got to find, <laughs> I, I guess, you got to find a solution that hurts the fewest. Yeah. And I, I don't see a clear path there. Uh, we're going to take a break from the DeMar Hamlin conversation and talk some Alabama basketball with one and only Brian Passink, former player, now a member of the uh, – Alabama Broadcast Team. That's coming right up on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the... Hanging around the airport I'm Waiting for the plane Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, now being joined by the Coveranus on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Brian Passink. Uh, Brian joins us uh, following last night's win in Tuscaloosa. Alabama defeated Ole Miss by a score of 84-62. to There were times watching this game last night. Brian, first of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're always very generous with, with your time. Um, very generous. Yes. I uh, there were times last night I was watching this basketball game, and maybe I'm just getting a little bit too excited. But I don't see a ceiling on this team. I know Ole Miss is not very good. You know, Ole Miss lost to UNA, North Alabama, then almost beat Tennessee. So they're up and down and up and down. But is it too early to get real excited and start thinking this team is Final Four material? It's never too early to get excited because it's been a long time uh, <laughs> over the years. I mean, listen, I mean, Alabama's obviously 
really good a couple of years ago. Won the SEC regular season, uh, won the tournament, went to the NCAAs, and made a run to Sweet 16 last year, a six seed. So there's been a lot of reasons to be excited the last few years, and I, I say keep it going uh, because before Nate Oates got to Tuscaloosa, uh, there were times that you were searching and hoping and, and just trying to find ways to be optimistic. So for me, I'm enjoying this. Um, I, I think, you know, for those of us who are either Alabama fans or just love college basketball, this team is fun to watch. Uh, they have a chance to be really, really good. Uh, the position that they're in right now is exactly where you want to be uh, going into the early part of SEC play. Uh, to start 2-0 and with a road win against the top 25 team in Starkville against Mississippi State in a rivalry game, um, and then to come home and take care of business against an Ole Miss team that, that you're right, that, that this was a game that Alabama should win, uh, but Ole Miss is dangerous. Really, they going back and, and looking at the Tennessee game, they should have won that game. Uh, and they're not bad. They're going to beat some people. They're going to beat some good teams because they have talent. They're well-coached. They defend at a high level. Uh, so for Alabama to come out and take care of business when – Kentucky is uh, coming to town on Saturday, and that's always a big game. Uh, there's a lot of buzz and excitement around that game. And, and this was also an environment that was much better than I expected because of the weather. I mean, high school sports were shut down yesterday. There were tornado watches all across the state, and it was not an easy game to come to, a late game uh, against an Ole Miss team that probably fans think you should just take care of. Um, and there was a great crowd. And so I was, I was concerned about this game coming in, and early on uh, my concerns were eased because of the mindset that Alabama came out with. Uh, Brian, heading into this game, Alabama ranked 328th in the country in turnovers. Uh, frankly, I, I don't think I even knew there's 328 basketball teams in the country. Uh, but <laughs> they were averaging 17.1 per game. Uh, but last night gave away a season-low seven. What was the difference? Well, you know, th- that is – the one area, and I agree with you, by the way, the one area that, that Alabama has struggled with this season, and there hasn't been a lot to complain about, but taking care of the basketball was one. And and so what we saw last night is, and to Matt's point, you know, how, how good can this team be? What's the ceiling? Well, when they take care of the basketball, uh, look out. Um, you know, this team has already shown they can beat anybody, anywhere, going on the road and beating the number one team in the country and one of the most raucous environments that I've been in in years uh, shows you that they are capable of beating anybody on any given night. Uh, but when they take care of the basketball like they did against Old Miss and, and you get your transition game going, um, and with the offensive pyre, firepower that they have, um, you just, listen, you get more shots on goal. And, uh, you know, you don't want to give Brandon Miller too many opportunities if you're the opponent. And it's not just Brandon Miller. This team has other capable options on the offensive end. Um, but seven turnovers last night, a season low. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come uh, because when this group takes care of the basketball, uh, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. And you know, we've, we've talked about it. I think I've talked about it with you guys, and we've um, definitely talked about it um, on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, and that is that typically the way 
Nate Oates teams play uh, with third overall in tempo. So one of the fastest teams, I think, last count, it's hard to keep up with how many Division One basketball teams there are. I think like 360, something, something like that. Um, third in tempo. And with so many new guys playing at a faster pace than they're used to, uh, there are going to be turnovers early, and typically the, the turnover numbers gradually go down as the year progresses. And if that's the case, um, I'm very optimistic about this team's chances. Uh, so they're in a great spot. It was great to see. The one number that I wanted to see last night is the turnover numbers go down against a good defensive team in Ole Miss that does create turnovers. And for Alabama to only have seven uh, was a great stat and a big reason why it was an easy victory for the home team. Brian, I uh, agree with you 100% about the atmosphere. I was at the game last night, and uh, it was fun. And I, I wasn't even expecting that many people, uh, partly due to, you know, every uh, everyone still being on break. But uh, you even mentioned the weather. So, yeah, that is even more impressive. I think that just uh, goes to show, um, you know, the support the basketball team has brought in um, with their success. But you mentioned Brandon Miller, and I was going to ask about him. Uh, just watching him last night, I mean, he hit a – a ridiculous 45-foot shot uh, at the buzzer, a uh, couple big dunks. I mean, this guy is just truly amazing to watch, and I don't think I've ever watched anybody as talented as him in person. Would you go as far to say that he might be uh, or go down as the best basketball player to come through the University of Alabama? Wow. You know, it's it's a, it sounds on the surface like a crazy question, um, but, you know, I might say – I don't know of, of many guys that are more talented as Brand, than Brandon Miller coming in. And, you know, it's hard to compare um, some of the older era guys to this, to this era. Um, I think, you know, you're, you're talking about a one-and-done in, in, the, in the age of one-and-dones going back uh, to some of the, the all-time greats in Alabama basketball history to a lot of three- and four-year guys. So it's really apples and oranges. But I can tell you this, I've, I've – seen a lot of the best of the best in, in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, boy, Brandon Miller is definitely in the conversation. Uh, and, and for a guy to come in so ready as a freshman, um, he is definitely one of the most talented basketball players to play at Alabama. And that's saying something. So, because I know you guys know the history and the great players and, you know, it's, you know, can you compare Enos Watley to Brandon Miller? I mean, I tell you what, um, if you're getting compared to Enos Watley right now in, in 2023, uh, that's a good thing, and you're really you know, that, that is that is an incredible compliment. Um, you know, Antonio McDice, Robert Ory, you know, Reggie King. Uh, you know, there there have been. I mean, listen, I I, I probably shouldn't have started naming guys because you know. Oh there's, wow, there's let's so let's many, go down that road. Let's go down that so road, Brian. Road. I would love that mule king. Yeah. Mules, Spreewell. <laughs> Spreewell can uh, yeah. play, play fifty-eight I mean, minutes in a forty-minute game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, gosh, I mean, Robert Ory, um, you know, there, Michael Ansley, um, you know, there, gosh, there, there's just Brian. There's Passion. so many. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right, that's right. Uh, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Um, you know, my mother wouldn't even put me in, in, in the, on that list. But, uh, <laughs> but there, there are so many greats uh, that that have come through 
And uh, listen, I mean, whether you think uh, it's one of those names, and, and by the way, I'm sitting uh, in my office next to a Reggie King uh, bobblehead. So there you go. So, <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's hard. those guys, those guys were hard to beat. Wendell Hudson, whose uh, name in Jersey hangs from the rafters, um, you know, and, and hopefully you name your dog you know, after Wendell. That is that is true. And by the way, uh, thank you for mentioning that. So uh, Wendell, my little um, Boston Terrier, I, I, Wendell Hudson is one of my favorite people in the world. And, I, and uh, uh, 10 years ago when we got our little pup, um, I told Wendell Hudson, I said, I don't know if this is if you're going to take this as a compliment or be offended by this, but I named my dog after you. And I had a feeling just knowing Wendell uh, Hudson, how he was going to react. He just started laughing. He said, I think that's a huge compliment. So, you know, with in this state where everybody's, uh, you know, all the half the dogs are named Bear and the others are named Saban and, and uh, you know, Julio and, and uh, <laughs> there's probably a Christian Miller pup out there somewhere. Um, I had to name mine after a basketball <laughs> guy. So, uh, um. but, but back to the, to the point. Brandon Miller's in the conversation. He's one of the most talented players. Uh, I think he's the. I think he's right now clearly the best player in the Southeastern Conference. And if you're the best player in the SEC, uh, you're in discussion for National Player of the Year. He's been spectacular so far. I uh, I think it was Wimp that said, and I wish I could do a really good Wimp Sanderson imitation, but he said, uh, Wendell could take a quarter off the top of the backboard and leave change. Uh, he just was phenomenal, and you, man, you, you just made my heart swell when you started talking about Mule King, uh, Mule King, and Anthony Murray. Uh, how about T.R. Dunn, the greatest defender in the history of the NBA, according to who? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Brian, I guess we're going to have to let you go, but uh, I certainly <laughs> well, appreciate hey, your time, stuff, guys. Always yeah. enjoy it. Always fun. Oh, it's it's fabulous. All right, go get the cats. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Brian. And that's like as in Wildcats as not in like opposite of Wendell the dog. Kentucky's in town next. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto. Fair with a low at 43. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back into Big Noon Sports with Matt, Christian, and Lars All right, I have a little update here. Uh, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, just held a very emotional press conference. Uh, it's the first time that he met with the media, and um, you know he he was saying that one 
Uh, he's been in contact with T. Higgins, uh, the player who uh, was involved with the uh, tackle, uh, and um, and uh, that T. seems to be doing uh, pretty good. And, uh, and then Zach said, uh, again, he was, he was fighting emotions the entire time, and that when he walked across the field, and we all saw it, uh, to see what and he asked what Sean McDermott needed, and Sean said to him, "I can't coach this game. I need to be at the hospital with Demar." And that was the moment that Zach set, made up the mind, made up his own mind, like this game's over. And uh, I think one reason why uh, it wasn't announced to the crowd as quickly as it was was because one. They didn't want the streets to be clogged for the ambulance to get to the hospital. And two, there's a a sort of a a logistical problem of when you have 65,000 people leaving the stadium all at once. Right, because because I mean I mean you just but even when they did dismiss him, it was just I want to say it was heartwarming how organized. And without incident, just people filed out slowly, very silently. Yes, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, I, I, I suggest everyone to go on the Bengals dot com. Here it will be posted in a, in about an hour or so, and 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 watch that press conference. Really, really gut wrenching and emotional. We'll find that and have it for you at the top of the hour, and then also just a little bit past the top of the hour around one fifteen this afternoon on Big Noon Sports. Hamp McCorder, son of former SEC Commissioner Boyd McCorder, and one of my all-time favorite funny people, is going to come on, and he'll talk about what else? The only thing he knows, Georgia football. But getting back to the Hamlin story, I wanted to ask Christian Miller this. Christian, you're the only one of the three here that can even relate to this, but T. Higgins, uh, is it unfair for me to ask you uh, how he's feeling? Uh, I mean, I, I guess that'd be a better question for T. himself. I, I don't know. Um, right. I guess you would. I guess you would probably, you know, feel awful um, for Demar. Um, but I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I mean, it, it, he's making a football play. I don't know how you 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 blame him for this. I mean, he was lowering his shoulder from what I saw. Again, I didn't watch the game live. I just, all I saw was the replays of it. And um, for people to to put blame on him, I think is is terrible because um, he's obviously it, it clearly wasn't intentional. Uh, I don't think the guy lowered his shoulder and tried to time. You know. The, the impact to, to intentionally hurt Demar Hamlin. Uh, I think he just was lowering his shoulder, as I see every single time I watch football, when guys running the football and uh, make a conscious effort of playing physical or trying to fight for extra yardage. Um, you know, this is part of the game. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know how T feels. I, if I had to guess, I'd, I'd, I'd probably feel, um, you know, upset about the whole situation. Um, but uh, again, I, I, I don't understand the the blame that's being put on him in this situation. Cause to me, unless I'm seeing something wrong, I didn't see anything intentional from it. Did y'all? 
No, not at all. No, not at all. Like it you said just, it initially, a, it was a football play. It was a it was a it was a normal football play. Um, I did right. want to ask you, Christian. I, I, you know, we, I've heard, and maybe we need to get on this on the other side, but uh, I've heard NFL players and former NFL players talk about the brotherhood, but I've never seen it in action the way it has been in action since the injury. Uh, do you agree? And 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 again, maybe and and also, what is it? Is it the fact that you guys are gladiators out there putting it on the line? Is that why you have such profound respect for one another? A hundred percent. I mean, every time you go on the field, you you know that um, you're putting your health at risk, and uh, you just have the utmost respect for everybody else on that field doing the same thing uh, that's going to battle. So, um, you know, it, it, it causes um, immense unity amongst all the players, and, and it makes everybody that much closer and have that much more respect for each other. Thank you, Christian Miller. Thank you all for listening to Big Noon Sports. Guess what? We've got another hour. with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis poor candidates for systemic or phototherapy now there's sky rizzy risen kizumab rizzo a prescription only 100 welcome back to big noon sports with lars anderson matt coulter and christian miller When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity, because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation, because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on DeMar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital. And, and at that point, um, I think everybody, everything trended in the, in the direction that as teams to, to just process what had happened and separate and go to our sidelines and uh, just take a few moments to process because no one had had that chance. You know, I, I look at Sean and those players, all they were doing is looking at their teammate and their brother and, and hoping for the best there. That's the only thing going through their minds. I, I didn't say a word to anybody the entire time except for TB. Um, who, who knew DeMar, and, and I could tell that he was going through it. So I could just see the expressions on Jordan Poyer's face and Josh Allen's face and TV's face. And so you're processing just, uh, um, you know, how, how uh, awful the situation was. We separated his teams. Uh, the officials, again, did a great job of coming over to me and saying, hey, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to process this moment here, uh, Coach McDermott and their team. And so um, instead of playing telephone on separate sidelines, the decision was made just to go over there and, and make sure we're all, you know, talking together. And and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what – So – uh, those are the words of, of Zach Taylor, and I actually, I could listen to the whole 20 minutes, but we just gave you a snippet there. That's a news conference that he just held this morning, right? But he's yeah, talking I, about... Actually, literally, just, just like 20 minutes yeah. ago. He's talking about uh, he him meeting 
Sean McDermott at midfield, and, and you heard they, their discussion, what they talked about or what he wanted to share. And um, that's one of the other positives that we're trying to take out of this. Two men, two human beings, you know, gender doesn't matter. Two people met at midfield and discussed this and made a wonderful, the correct decision. And I don't think anybody can argue that. And if you can, come up here. I'll fight you. Uh, but they, they grasped the moment. They didn't care about the NFLPA. They didn't care about the NFL. They didn't care about ABC. They knew and understood the seriousness of the moment. And they grasped it. In Lars, last hour, you said something that I uh, I thought was uh, was uh, very important, and that's that it didn't just affect the sports world. It's affect everybody. And here is a great example. It just popped up on my, yeah, I, I'm a Facebook guy. I don't post a lot, but I do read. But y'all know Sheldon Haygood, WBRC, Channel 6, sports mm-hmm. reporter, anchor, an all-time great guy. He just posted a, a picture of his daughters. One of the students in their school was a Bills fan. They wore they wore Bills cheerleaders outfits to school today. I love that. I mean, so. and, and that's you know what? That's a whole nother issue that should be discussed is how do you discuss this with your children who may or may not have seen it? Right. Uh, Because, again, it was early in the game, so it wasn't past the bedtime for a lot of young kids. My kids were in bed, but um, they weren't asleep. (laughs) Well, they weren't watching (laughs) it, Um, you know, and and it's just uh, I I don't know. I mean, as a father. Uh, it would be really tough to discuss what what was happening, and and you know my son Lincoln is seven years old, and he is contemplating playing tackle football next year, and I'm not sure that I am uh, in favor of that or not. I, I need to think about it some more, and need to have more discussions with his mom about it, but. Um, I know that after this happened, and obviously he's aware of it, he's 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 scared of football. He's scared, you know. And, and I know this was a, a one in a like billion uh, event, right? Or you know, one in a million, or whatever. Um, but uh, this has, uh, I think, carved deep psychological scars in in the players. And I hope the players on both teams, Cincinnati and the Bills, can get any of uh, the help that they need if they want to talk to somebody about it. But also our, our young people, uh, our kids who uh, who saw that. And um, just, uh, just really, really hard stuff. Uh, Christian... If uh, you and I, and I know this is a hypothetical, and uh, I, I I always hate asking you hypotheticals, but <laughs> if you were if you had to play the next week, how hard would it be for you to get focused on your next opponent? Especially, uh, both the, the the Bills and the Bengals have a lot to play for. Uh, in uh, week 19 because they don't know if this uh, – or, or week 18, excuse me. They don't know if this game is going to be replayed or not. 
Yeah, I personally would have a very difficult time. I would uh, honestly not even be concerned about the playoff scheduling or anything of that matter. Uh, my my main focus would be on my teammates' health um, because, again, that's your brother. I mean, it's somebody you go to war with. It's somebody you're with um, from 6 or 7 in the morning to the evening. You're on flights with, um, buses with. Uh, you know, I don't think people understand how close-knit um, football teams are um, just for a number of reasons, the amount of time you spend together, but also the grueling practices and just the bonds you form from that. So my concern would be with him. I'd be so hard for me to even get back in the, the, the mindset to play until I knew that, you know, he was doing better um, and to a point that, that he um, was at least stable because, again, you know, he's improving, but, you know, things are, are not perfect. They're far from perfect still. And not to mention, you have to think, I mean, these guys are now going to have to play with that in the back of their minds. They just witnessed somebody that they love and, and, and do this with on a daily basis go down and, and is fighting for his life. Um, so it's hard to imagine not having that in the back of your mind the next time you go suit up and play. Um, you got to think about situations like Ryan Shazier, uh, when guys had to watch him go through that neck injury and become paralyzed. I mean, I could only imagine how hard it was for them to play because how could you not, uh, think, you know, hey, I'm, uh, you know, the risks that, that come with playing football, but when you see stuff like that, it really brings it to the surface. Same thing when you see a guy, uh, have a, a bad knee injury. Um, it's a little difficult to finish that game because in the back of your mind, you just, you're praying for him, but you're also praying for yourself and everybody else out there to not have to deal with that. And, um, you know, it's just a very difficult situation. And, and I can only imagine how hard it would be to, to play after, to go, after going through something like that. Because again, I, I think until I had clarification on, uh, my teammate who just endured that, um, I, I think it'd be very difficult for me to go out and play. Would it make you, uh, and, and even when you have seen, say, a, a devastating knee injury, does it make you a little gun-shy as a player, uh, maybe not to be as aggressive as you normally would? It can. I would say usually probably for maybe for the remainder of that game you might see that. Um, usually it kind of, you know, it exits the forefront of the mind, you know, as time passes. Um, so it's not like you see that, and I guess it's you know lingers lingers for the rest of of the season. Um, but I mean, when I was in college, I mean, I watched Kenyon Drake um, dislocate his ankle really bad, and it was very gruesome. And you know, he was screaming on the field, right? And that's hard to go back out there and play a football game when you witness that, because um, again, it's 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 a gruesome gruesome sight when you see somebody's foot rearranged in a way that you've never seen before. Um, so yeah, you know, it makes you kind of a little, little, little gun shy, you know, remainder of that game. And then, you know, fortunately, you know, once you see them doing better and, and, and you know, time uh, passes and, and things are starting to move forward, it makes it a lot easier. But again, this is unprecedented. And I mean, we've never seen anything like this. At least I haven't. Um, maybe others have in, in another time, but I've never seen anything to this, to, um, this degree. But um, it almost feels like the situations in, in combat sports where you, you see boxers, you know, take a huge blow and unfortunately, um, you know, so, sometimes end up uh, with a debilitating injury or, or even worse, you know, demise. They, they don't, don't they don't make it through. Um, I guess it's this one was shocking because uh, we've seen it in sports like boxing or, or other combat sports, but with football, it's just so rare and it's so tough to see. Um, and football is just so prevalent in our country. So 
Um, again, this is, a, this is a horrible situation. I'm just really praying, um, you know, that, that he pulls through and, and, and comes out healthy. But, it, it, you know, you mentioned T. Higgins earlier, Matt. I think we all should be praying for him because you got to compare it to an accident where, um, say, you unintentionally um, injure someone outside of football. It's the same thing. You would feel terrible, I'd imagine. And um, I think he also deserves some prayers, too, because I, I don't think there's any um, intentions to hurt uh, Demar, and uh, I'd imagine he feels pretty bad too. So just praying for everybody involved. This is a very, very tragic situation. Man, I can't remember if we mentioned it yesterday, but I, I, I go back to November thirteenth, nineteen eighty-two, um, another day that lives in sports infamy, uh, when Ray Boom Boom Mancini defended his WBA lightweight title against the number one defender Dooku Kim from South Korea. And it was just a, a, a brutal fight, a brutal, brutal fight. And uh, and Dooku Kim ended up losing his life. And, and, and frankly, uh, Boom Boom Mancini was never the same. I, I do remember that. And, and I think, and I'm very comfortable in comparing it to NASCAR. When you get in the car, you know. That's all you got to say, Lars. You covered it for years. I've been there 40. You know. And I don't even need to finish the sentence. But it's like, remember when Senior was killed at Daytona? Yeah. Ken Schrader hit him. Ken Schrader, never the same guy. He had, it was not in any way, form, or fashion his fault. It was uh, Sterling like, Marlin the same way. He was yeah. involved in it Sterling, as well. Yeah, and, and I think right. Schrader was the first one who, who opened went, the net, yeah, and, he's, he's the and, and he saw but, he saw a Senior and the slumped over. But every time they put the helmet on, they get inside and they put the Hans device around, which fortunately now they all wear. You know. Yeah, and, you know, and I mean, that's the thing in NASCAR. As you, you know it better than me, uh, you know I'd, I'd covered it for about sixteen years for Sports Illustrated. If you lose that edge, if you lose that uh, one tenth of a second on a lap, if you lose that ability to put the nose of that car in a very precarious position, if you lose that aggressiveness, you're done. You're done as a driver. Well, and you you can't have that on your mind as a a, a football player, a baseball player. If you think about getting hurt, you're probably going to get hurt. Uh, yeah, that's right. This is a it's a it's a fascinating conversation. We're going to break away for a minute and talk about Georgia. How about them dogs? Hamp McCorder will join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, the best sports right, talk James. in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can rent a fair with the low at 43. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. With so many other companies that we can put them at your doorstep without you having to make another call. You just give us a call and we'll just throw five.
Back on Big News Sports, Christian Miller's coming off the edge. Lars Anderson's coming off the New York Times bestseller list. In the world of Georgia football, there is Vince Dooley. Then there is Herschel Walker. Then there is Uga. And right below that is our next guest, Hat McWhorter. Um, Hat. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Partner. Life is so good, and I can't imagine what it's like for you. Um, it's, it's just it's been, been an nice. incredible run. Go ahead. It's been nice. I was going to see if you remembered uh, Foghat Friday. They asked me what song I wanted to play, so I remember we used to laugh about Foghat Friday back in the day, so I thought I'd play that for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to get the football talk started here. Your choice, Stetson Bennett or Buck Ballou? I got to go Stetson Bennett. I mean, and I, listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I was one of those last year that was highly critical, and I was wrong. After the fumble in the national championship game, I was ready to put in JT Daniels, and that's why Kirby's getting paid eleven and a half million, and I'm on the radio with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ham, what did you think of Georgia's defensive performance against Ohio State? I was obviously a little disappointed, but, you know, I think the thing that caught him off guard was C.J. Stroud's feet. I don't think they were prepared for that. If you kind of watch it, they I mean, they sacked him four times. I bet you they had at least ten pressures, and, you know, about four or five of those he scrambled. So I think that was, you know, the, the thing that they weren't prepared for, but they – Stopped them. You know, they gave up, what, 13 points in the second half and three in the fourth quarter and made the stops when they had to. So, you know, it it, it wasn't great, but, you know, they only put them in two categories, the W and L. And, I, and I'll say this, I'm not a big old Ohio State fan, but I generally felt sympathy and empathy for their fans because I've been there. And that's just soul-crushing. Amp, Georgia would go on to face TCU in the national championship. What would it mean for Kirby Smart's legacy at Georgia to win back-to-back national championships uh, so soon um, with his time there with the Bulldogs? I mean, you know, history only tell, but, I mean, if you win two, that's one more than anybody else has over there. And to do it back-to-back, I mean, it's just it's amazing what he's done with all the people that have tried to emulate Coach Saban and what he's done at Alabama, obviously Kirby has has done that. I mean, you've won 32 out of 33 games. You've won whatever that is now, 16 in a row. I mean, if you win back-to-back national championships, that is a very, very rare group of people that you're that you're involved with. And I mean, it, it obviously, legacy depends on what you do over the course of your career. You know, knock on wood, there won't be anything. It happens, but I mean, he's on his way to obviously being the greatest coach in Georgia history. Hamp, you were uh, you grew up with Derek Dooley, Vince Dooley's uh, son, and uh, very. I mean, I, I think you can name every piece of vegetation in Coach Dooley's backyard. I, I, no one's that smart. <laughs> God, what a brilliant man! But what what do you see in um, Kirby that you noticed in Vince Dooley? Work ethic, I mean, just relentless, focused. I mean, 
coaches are a different breed, and y'all y'all know this. Y'all have dealt with them. I mean, they, they just are. I mean, it takes a unique individual to be able to do it at a high level. You have to be unbelievably focused all the time. I mean, I tell people I used to go on vacation for the Deweys and have for years, and you thought Coach Dewey was relaxing when he was coaching when he was on vacation. It wasn't until he retired from coaching that I realized, oh, my gosh, he, he never completely relaxes because those guys, when they're on vacation, they're thinking, boy, that guy on the other team is working right now and falling behind. It doesn't. Their mind doesn't work where when they come back from vacation, the other guys on vacation, that it evens out. They don't think that way. I mean, it's it's constant, and you know, it's, as somebody once said, it's a tough way to make two million dollars. It's it's a little bit easier to make eleven and a half, but still, it's a tough business. Hamp, I I kind of want to flip your Georgia allegiance on its head here and ask you, what do you think is TCU's path to victory in the national championship game? I think it's their quarterback. I mean, obviously, Georgia struggled last couple games with with, uh, quarterbacks. LSU, obviously, Daniels was hurt a little bit, but I I think it's the quarterback and running, but I think Kirby and that defensive staff are going to be prepared for TCU's quarterback running the ball and look to try and keep him in the pocket. Whereas Stroud, they, I don't think they're worried about it and they got burned. But I, I think it's that, and I'll be honest with you, I think if Georgia plays their A game, they're going to win. But turn it up, you throw two big sixes like Michigan did, and you got a different ball game. Yeah. Uh, Georgia solidified another solid recruiting class. Is there any recruits uh, in that class that you're excited about? Well, it's just what I read. I, I mean, I got to where, you know, with Coach Saban and, and, and Coach Smart, you know, they're just just stacking them up. What I'm fascinated about in Georgia is, you know, last year we had 15 guys drafted. We had 13 go in the transfer portal and a few other, you know, eligibility. And, you know, we still had a tight, you know, class of, you know, getting that 85. We're supposed to sign 26. We've gotten two. I know we're not going to have 15 guys drafted. I'm fascinated to see what that roster management is going to be like come Tuesday. Hamp, are you going? Yes, I am. Yep. I'm really excited. I've never, is that really you driving like right so now? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm flying out Saturday. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to like you're in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm on Fort 459, same thing. Um, I, I'm looking forward to not being eight degrees like it was in Indianapolis last year. Uh, Hemp, uh, what did you think of the performance of Marvin Harrison Jr. in the semifinals? I, I don't know if I've seen a receiver that dominant uh, in that big of a game in, in a long, long time. Well, unfortunately, George, I've seen a lot of them. Devontae Smith, to Waddle, to everybody that Alabama had those years. The one thing I'll say, he was unbelievable, maybe the best player in the field. And I know he got hurt in the third quarter, but what people don't realize is he caught five passes. His last pass that he caught was basically with 11 minutes left to go in the second quarter. So, George did a very good job for the last 25 minutes he's in there. Now, him getting hurt definitely makes a difference for 
how you cover other people, but I think Kirby and them had realized what he was doing, and they better they better stop him. Of course, it opens it up for others. But like I said I've, I've seen my fair share of great receivers against George in the last few years. Camp, I know you previewed a little bit of the TCU Georgia game, but give us a score, a score prediction. How do you think it's going to go? I'm not very good at that because I thought I was nervous about Ohio State, but I, I go Georgia doesn't play close games, so I think they'll they'll beat them. I, I would say it's going to be I would go something like 44-30, 44-27 would be my guess. Hopefully, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, it's. It's turnovers. I know they don't have – their running back might be out. Georgia's tight end might be out. You know, Georgia's real weak on the – or thin on the outside rush with Nolan Smith getting hurt, and they're kind of banged up out there. So that's a that's a problem if you're trying to chase down a quarterback. But, I, I mean, simply put, and you guys know this, normally a team with better players wins, and Georgia's got better players. Hamp. Have a safe trip. By the way, Hamp McCorder is the only person to successfully get a cellular phone signal out of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. He called me at halftime a few years ago. Not only couldn't I understand you, I couldn't hear you. Uh, it was just well. That might have been the state I was in. Probably uh, factored in that as well, Matt. <laughs> Hamp, we need to get you in studio here so uh, you can be uh, teamed up again with one Matt Coulter. And uh, back in the day, I, I remember I, I, I came on your guys' show several times. So uh, open invitation. Love to have you. I appreciate it, Lars. Y'all, y'all have a great day. Hope y'all had a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year. And I'll say it. Go dogs. I Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Hamp. Talk to you soon. Ham McWhorter, whose dad was the longtime SEC commissioner, Boyd McWhorter. When I first got into the business, you want to call it that, he was the commissioner. And I remember going, uh, at that time, the SEC offices were in the office building at the Galleria. Did you know that? Wow. They were like, among other, you know, there was like AT&T and then some bank <laughs> and everything, and then there was the SEC offices. But I remember going in there and... Uh, being overwhelmed and intimidated. I mean, I was going to interview the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Boy, he disarmed all that in a heartbeat uh, and just made me feel great, and I've loved him ever since, and unfortunately, we lost him a long, long time ago. Mike Slive had that exact same characteristic. It was so disarming. You know what? And you don't learn that. And you know what Greg Sankey does, too? Uh, I, I agree, and I didn't know it at first until I... But he made me aware of it last time yeah. I saw him, and every time I saw him. Uh, hey, guys, uh, we have talked a lot about Hamlin, obviously Georgia, but there are some other things going on in the world of sports. You see that these people want to tamper with the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about that next. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten. 
Aiden there behind the scenes. They never get enough credit, but they should. I'm Matt Coulter. There's Lars Anderson and Christian Miller as well. Uh, we have, and rightfully so, given the topic of the DeMar Hamlin injury, uh, a lot of attention. And then we just talked about Georgia. But this story I actually heard on my way home yesterday that there is a proposal. And let me emphasize that. The NCAA will expand the basketball tournament to 90 teams. I think the way it was worded is they would expand by 25%. And I don't know. My dad was a rocket scientist, but I guess that's right around 25%. Lars, for or again? Oh, man. Uh, I love March Madness more than anyone. And, uh, yeah, I just I just checked your math. You're, you're correct. It is 90. No, actually, they're correct. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, yeah, it, it comes in a, um, a uh, it's called the NCAA Division I Transformation Committee. Boy. What was that? Can you give me the acronym it's, of It's that? a recommendation by the NCAA's Division I Transformation Committee. That sounds like something in government. That sounds like bureaucracy, right? That's why, like, well, we need to vote done. on that for a fifth yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that speaker vote coming? Oh. All of you Republicans. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I just got off track. You just, you just ran off. Uh, yeah. about, uh, speaking of percentages, um, <laughs> just ran off half uh, our listeners. Or, continue seventy-five uh, <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, so and this would include both the men's and the women's tournaments to expand the fields. Uh, each tournament currently invites 68 teams, and there are 358 Division One men's basketball programs and 350 women women's programs. So a field of 25 cent would break down to roughly 90 teams for each tournament. And, uh, okay, how do I feel about it? Uh I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, just because how many times has a one seed lost to a 16? Once. Yeah. So it, I, it, it's interesting that this committee is co-chaired by who else? Uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. Um, and uh, they also recommended – that schools provide, and this is good, uh, post-college medical coverage for injured athletes alongside mental health and career support. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's uh, obviously a, a good thing. And and a, a, de- a degree completion fund that lasts for 10 years should the student-athlete choose to step away from their studies before reaching graduation, before eventually deciding to return, and then also to offer academic, career, and life skills counseling. Uh, and, and this is long overdue, but um, I, I'm not in favor of expanding either tournament because there, there's a, there's enough bad games in the first round already. Uh, when, when you have, uh, uh, you know, just t- two teams that just aren't equally matched. 
Now, you know, with the NCAA uh, football tournament or college football playoff expanding to 12, I'm all for that, especially with TCU. I mean, I, 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 look, I was first in line that said TCU should not be in, in the college football playoffs. But what they do? They upset Michigan. Yeah, they, they did a very, very good thing for college football. Yeah. They ran Jim Harbaugh off. Uh, Christian, yeah. what do you think about this? I, I know you got to be a sports fan. You're a basketball guy. Are you? I was. I really don't like 68. I think those other four added. I like 64. But do you think they ought to expand it? No, uh, I don't. I think in regards to expanding, I feel like that it's all uh, just to generate more revenue. Um, I, I don't really see the the purpose outside of generating more revenue. I mean, I guess. Um, allow other, you know, teams opportunities, but I feel like 64, 68, however many there is, is plenty enough already. And I, I don't really see the, the purpose of that. I agree with Lars. Obviously football, um, definitely, uh, would benefit from expanding, but totally different, you know, apples to oranges. I, I think they should probably leave it the way it is. Yeah, and um, I, I want to get back into Georgia TCU for a second, Christian. Uh, and I want to ask you the same question I just asked Hamp. What is the path for TCU to pull off what would be considered, I think, one of the most monumental upsets in college football history? And I, and I get the fact that uh, they, uh, that TCU, you know, they were the three seed. And, uh, and, and so it, it can't be a complete shock, but it's still, it's TCU. It's TCU going against mighty Georgia, the reigning national champions. D- does TCU need kind of the, what happened, uh, against Michigan getting two pick sixes, uh, Jim Harbaugh coaching uh, just a horrible game, making a lot of really bad decisions. I think there's a reason Jim Harbaugh has lost six straight bowl games. It's because uh, it, that Michigan team just didn't look prepared. But regardless of that, uh, how can TCU pull off the upset, Christian? Well, uh, you mentioned one of the things, uh, turnovers. You know, turnovers are critical. If they can win the turnover battle, um, that would definitely give them a huge advantage. Um, you know, turnovers lead to points, right? And we saw that in the Michigan game. It also leads to momentum. You know, momentum was on TCU's side a lot in the game. And, and the momentum is a proponent that Coach Saban uh, is, is commonly referencing because it's true. Um, momentum can shift in, in, in a game, but it can provide so much value for your team um, in a football game. So I feel like if they can force turnovers and uh, get some momentum going for them, play with that high energy and that speed that we saw, I mean, they have a, a, a very fast unit. They play with a lot of speed. They have a lot of talent, but it just the, the speed of their team uh, just jumps out on tape when you watch them. But I also think if they can attack Georgia's defense through the air effectively, that'll give them a great chance. If you look at Georgia's defense, one of their weaknesses is through the air. They they tend to struggle um, with their passing defense, and and we saw that against Ohio State, and we've seen it um, several other times throughout the course of the season. So. If Max Duggan can dial up uh, that passing game and, and, and start firing on all cylinders and, and be very effective, I think that gives them a, a big chance. Um, but it's, it's not going to be easy for them. But I, I would I would not go as far to say, you know, it, it's just a lost cause. I definitely feel like TCU, after watching that Michigan game, um, you know, they stand a chance. You know, I, I know Georgia's very talented and, 
and I respect them, but I don't think they're this juggernaut that everybody is, um, you know, summing them up to be. You know, I, I think they definitely have their fair share of vulnerabilities, and, and if TCU can expose those, uh, like I mentioned, the passing game, and uh, and also force some turnovers and find a way to, you know, bow up on defense and, and, and stop Georgia's offense, um, I think – I think they can, uh, you know, have a chance. They at least have a chance, and that's all you need. You just need a chance. Lars, do you see Max Duggan beating Georgia with his arm? Possibly. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a special quarterback. He's just, he's a winner. He's a winner. Of course, Scott Frost uh, barely recruited him. Here we go. Hey, we have a new record. Uh, One hour and 42 (laughs) minutes into the show, we get Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Scott Frost refused to uh, offer Joe Burrow a scholarship, uh, even though Joe was dying to go to Nebraska. All right. But, yes, you guys have heard me say that a million times. But he's yeah, just but a winner. Yeah, but this is the first time this year. Yeah, it is the first time. Happy New Year. Uh, <laughs> but um, I will say that uh, the one position that we can say definitively that TCU has an advantage is at the quarterback position. Stetson Bennett did not play very well in that game. All right? Uh, he played good in the fourth quarter. He got out and off his game to the point where Kirby Smart called him down. But you would take Max Duggan over Stetson Bennett in the... In the New York Minute, wouldn't you? How many national championships does uh, Max Duggan have? What kind of talent does Max Duggan have around him compared to Stetson Bennett? I don't think it's nearly the same. No, it's not comparable. How many many former five-star recruits does TCU have... Compared to Georgia, I would guess it's probably uh, 17 to 0. Given Bennett's accomplishments, but you were trashing him three years ago, and here you are now trashing him again. He's about to win back to back championships. He is probably going to win back to back championships. And you'll be talking about this next Tuesday. I'm not trashing him. I'm just saying I like Max. So, okay. Uh, We can talk about it on the other side. Well, on the other side, I, I want to throw something at you from the world of sports because gambling is such a part of it now. It is easily the best state marketing plan and the worst personal marketing plan I perhaps I've ever seen in my life. It's coming up on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up at 2 o'clock, we'll talk with Mike Dettelier. We will recap the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State, that and a lot more starting at 2 o'clock here on the game on Tide 100.9. The home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. 
the longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. If you like burritos, which you do because everyone does, you should try Taco Bell's Chipotle Ranch and Salsa Verde Grilled Chicken Burritos. These masterpieces start with a warm flour tortilla that we stuff with grilled chicken. But the real... The modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamane. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamane dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very mild afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 71. A bit colder tonight, mostly fair with a low at 43. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I had a friend named Rambo. So many other companies that we used to steal, gamble, and run. He thought he was the smartest guy around. Well, I found out last Monday. I've got locked up Sunday. They've got him in the jailhouse way down Big Noon Sports. Appreciate you joining. Kristen Miller, Lars Anderson, myself, Matt Coulter. He's in the jailhouse. A little bit of breaking news. Uh, according to ESPN's Chris Lowe, who's one of the best in the business, Jimbo Fisher is finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as Texas A&M's new offensive coordinator, and Petrino will take over play calling duties. And uh, Petrino uh, briefly was at UNLV uh, as the offensive coordinator after spending the last three seasons at Missouri State. So he's basically been in football Siberia for a while, and now he comes back to the SEC as a uh, offensive coordinator. Um, I, I'm wondering if Jimbo Fisher had to make this move kind of at gunpoint uh, by the by the. It's like sometimes the administration says, "Fire this guy." Yeah. In this case, are they saying you got to do something about our offense? It, Christian, did you ever go against Bobby Petrino uh, when you were in college? I can't remember. Uh, I mean, I played Louisville in uh, my senior season in 2018. I don't know if he was there or not. I'll be honest, uh, I don't pay attention to the coaches. Don't. <laughs> don't really? focus on the players yeah. who I got to go against. <laughs> I, you know what? With Christian Miller, it's all about the process. He he was at Louisville. That's right. So you did play. Was he there? Yeah, you faced, uh, yeah, yeah, you faced uh, his uh, his offense, and I, I know you guys stomped him pretty good. Um, but maybe that's all that needs to be said. And I know, Matt, you, you had a, a tease coming out of uh, the last break. Well, is it true that he's going to bring the motorcycle offense to <laughs> Texas? That's just – it's not that good, is it? You know, I was actually in um, Fayetteville uh, two days before that happened, and I was doing a story on a running back, Niall Davis, and uh, just a terrific kid – Met with Petrino, but I was before I got into Petrino's office. I was uh, I spent time with a very attractive, tall uh, <laughs> volleyball player. It, yes, yes. Uh, it and, was her. Yes. Do you yeah. have dinner? 
<laughs> no, no. But then uh, it, it, I put it all together very quickly. And, of course, my story got killed because it, the story became yeah. uh, Bobby Petrino. Right. So I'm still mad at Bobby Petrino because my story, uh, my five-page piece on uh, Davis never ran. Anyway, enough about that. All right. Uh, if you're in the state of Ohio, okay, they have just allowed the, the passed the legislation where you can bet, okay? I mean, I, I don't know. In Alabama, you just can't go anywhere and just place a wager, right? You still have to, like, either do it online or do it through a bookie or whatever. I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, in their announcement, the state of Ohio hired who to make the first bet? Pete Rose? You're, did you know? No, that just, that's just too funny. But, I mean, the state of Ohio hit it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Pete Rose, who is struggling and wanting and go to Cooperstown, that's dumb. Pete Rose belongs in Cooperstown. He does not. Oh, no, absolutely. All right, that's an argument for not, another day. Not, no, not. I mean, he broke the rule that's posted on every clubhouse in Major League Baseball, and he flaunted it. And now, do you think he's going to get in Cooperstown after doing that? But what That's he like, did, hey, what he did baseball, who, who cares what, what he did as doing. a manager? What he did as a player? He didn't bet when he was a player. He broke the rule. He didn't bet when he was a player. It Isn't doesn't it? make any difference. He was well, a well, member well, of what, Major what, League Baseball. What, what, what if somebody, what if somebody after, after they're done playing uh, commits murder? Do they belong in the Hall of Fame? That is not even a good comparison. Lars, you're smarter than that. You are, you are a smarter guy than that. Well, I need to think about it. Uh, yeah, you do. That's your homework assignment. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Well, uh, hey, by the way, Christian Miller is a co-host on this show. We just totally <laughs> left him out of this. Do you? Do you? Oh, and I don't mean this sarcastically, but do you know who Pete Rose is? Sorry, that that's uh, I know the name. Like I was being. Uh, but, uh, but no, he, you're fine. He, I know the name. I, I don't really know much about him. He, no, the baseball player. He, right? uh, Probably, yeah, he, he probably hustled more than any player in the game. That's, That's why, why they call him Charlie Hustle. Hustle. But you know what? I always thought, and I'm a, I'm a spikes-up guy, but I always thought running to first base on a walk was just dumb. You know what else, Lars? I would be retired if I had kept all of the baseball cards, all the Pete Rose baseball cards that I got as a child, because they all end up my bikes, bicycle spokes. My mom, I had this big box, and I was saving it. And uh, I had O.J. Simpson's rookie card, and she just gave it away to somebody. It's worth more, more after than, more than my life. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to get back into this Pete Rose thing. One sunny. Yeah, we'll do that in the middle of uh, June. I don't know that that's compelling radio to many people. But, uh, hey, Christian, go have a great afternoon. Yes, sir. Y'all, too. All right.
you like burritos, which you do because everyone does, you should try Taco Bell's Chipotle Ranch and Salsa Verde Grilled Chicken Burritos. These masterpieces start with a warm flour tortilla that we stuff with grilled chicken. But the real star.